0: You are listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from special guest Pastor Junius Lewis from Greater Love Family Outreach Ministries in Morgantown.
1: Amen. Well, I'm looking for my pastor, friend. I'm right here behind you. Yes, you are, (laughs) brother. Once he stands up, you won't miss him. Oh, man, just uh, have a seat there. Hold on, I'm going to introduce him. I'm going to get you laughing here. If you don't know anything about the NBA, this won't mean anything to you. But I had a lot on my mind this morning. I dedicated 11 babies preached myself simple and honored 46 veterans and I turned and I went to talk about my friend coming tonight and I had somebody grabbing my arm back here and I introduced my friend, I said come back tonight because Julius Irving will be here tonight and I never even knew what I said. Julius Irving is one of the greatest all-time NBA greats that ever played the basketball uh, the game of basketball, I didn't even know what I said. I'm sitting with my aunt this afternoon and I start getting these text messages and then Carrie starts howling me, she said, boy, I'm jacked up, just can't wait to listen to Dr. J tonight. <laughs> So let me tell you something. Dr. J may have been known around the world, but this man is known in the city of heaven. He's my friend, pastor in Morgantown of a great church. Stand and make welcome my good friend, Junius Lewis. All right? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hello, Dr. J.
0: <laughs> Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Amen. I will bless the Lord at all times and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I've been looking forward to this. I feel like a little kid before Christmas And I was listening to Pastor Robert talk about the day and, you know, all you were doing. Well, brother, I started out this morning at Greater Love. I ended up this afternoon at Mount Zion with Pastor Mark Staples. And here I am tonight at Jewel City. Somebody said you got anything left in your tank? I said, if God is my helper, and I know he is. So we give honor tonight to the spirit of Christ in this place. We give honor to your pastor, amen. And his first lady, Leanne, I don't see her, but that's a, she said, well, see. Whether they say pastors only work one day a week and their wife worked that day with them. And we know that's not true. Because I'm married to one, amen. I, I thank God for my friend, Pastor Curry, amen, and her husband, Mike, got me all mic'd up here, and uh, my wife is with me tonight. We got a joke now. We've been married for 37 years, and um, she and I both say, if we knew all of this was coming, that first date may have been a short one. (laughs) Girlfriend may have just said, I'm out of here. But I thank God for a woman who loves God more than she loves me. I thank God for a woman who's committed to the ministry. I'm not in this thing alone, amen? And so we appreciate that. Uh, I love Pastor Robert for a lot of reasons, but I'll just get some of the preliminary things out of the way, because when you come to a place for the first time, you know everybody gotta check y'all. I know what y'all doing. You're forming opinions, you're seeing what I got on, you're seeing what it smells like, I'm okay, Sorry, right. Not my first rodeo. But what I appreciate about Pastor Robert, I think there are two types of pastors. So I suggest two? You got the one who focuses only on the castle. And then you have one who focuses on the kingdom. I honor this man because he's a kingdom pastor. Come on, y'all, yeah, don't leave me out here by myself. Jesus didn't say a whole lot about castles, but he did speak a whole lot about the kingdom of God being at hand. And myself and about eight other pastors were humbled, about a month or so ago. Pastor Robert said, I just want y'all to come to my house. I just want love on y'all. Just want to serve you. And they did. They fed us until I got full. And you know, if you know anything about a guy that's almost seven feet tall, you eat for this leg, then you eat for the other leg. Both legs were full, and they were still bringing it. But then they gave us an opportunity to sit around a fire pit and share our heart, share our testimony, share our story. And about five years ago, I was in Israel and uh, was with a group of pastors. In fact, there were about 50 of us. And he did something different. They said, we're gonna bring a group of Methodist pastors, and we're gonna bring a group of Baptist pastors, and we're gonna bring a couple of Presbyterians. Just to stir up the pot. <laughs> <laughs> and while we were there, the gentleman who coordinated the trip, we were preparing to partake in the Lord's Supper. And I became visibly shaken by God's presence. Man, if you can't feel God in Israel, man, you check your pulse. But as I was there and we were getting ready, Pastor Victor said, just share what's on your heart in this moment. And I said, you know, when you look at where we are, and you look at the fact that they've got a wall that separates, you've got the Israelis and the Palestinians, and we got all of this turmoil. I said, I look to the day when the walls that divide us are knocked down, rather kicked down, and they become the table whereby we as the body of Christ can now have fellowship one with the other. Your pastor embodies that. there are other pastors who embody that for what God is desiring to do in the state of West by God, Virginia, it is bigger than one building, it is bigger than one denomination, it is bigger than one demographic. God is getting ready to blow the doors off of this state of West Virginia. You know how they always say that we are, oh, come on, you can give him some praise) How we were number one in everything bad. Well, I believe now that things are shifting. I think there's a change coming, and the intercessors, and the pastors, and the evangelists, and the prophets, and the apostles—the fivefold ministry—is lining back up again. And we realize that one is not any bigger or better than the other. But we really are the body of Christ. And so I'm excited because when I walk in this place, I see vision. (laughs) Because without a vision, the people perish, cast off restraint. And so I'm thankful. Because I know that expectancy is the breeding ground for the miraculous. You expect it about anything tonight? Are you believing God for anything tonight? Do you have some family members that aren't walking in faith tonight? Do you know somebody who needs a fresh touch in that body tonight? Well, you're in the right place at the right time. And so just for a little bit tonight, they didn't tell me how long I had to preach or so-so, you know, I mean, we'll be here till about 11 (laughs) o'clock. And y'all say, you may be here at 11 (laughs) o'clock. We're going home. But in the book of Acts, the fourth chapter, I just want to read a few verses. Acts 4, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Boy, isn't that good? But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. Hmm. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. That from now on, they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Aren't you glad they didn't listen? But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old, on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that they raised thy voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took that stand And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. Hmm. To do whatever your hand and your purpose determined for to be done. Now, Lord, Look on thy threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Father, these lips are but clay. I have nothing unless you give it to me. But I'm asking tonight, just for this brief moment, you speak to the hearts of your people. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So much of what we see today as a people, people put a great emphasis on where you live, what you drive, where you go to school, all of those things. Jesus took 12 ordinary guys. He called them from their professions. He called them from their occupation. He called them from being tax collectors, fishermen. And he simply said one thing, come, follow me. And they left everything, left it all. And they followed Jesus. Have you ever just heard the Lord's voice? And he said, I just want you to go. Genesis 12 talks about Abraham. He's told to leave his father's house and everything that is familiar. And just walk. Most of us would have been like, well, where am I walking to? When my grandson was about seven, we were in Muriel's and we were walking into the restaurant and he grabbed my hand. And he didn't care where we were going just as long as he had his granddaddy's hand. Oh, Father, oh, ho, ho, this is good. Sometimes you just need to say, take my hand, Lord. Walk with me. The old saints used to say, walk with me, Jesus. Walk with me while I'm on this pilgrim's journey. I want Jesus to walk with me. See, we often think we need a title. We need a degree from an Ivy League school. All you really need is a degree in neology. Not theology, because some of the most where well, at one time they were the leading schools of theology in this country. They've drunk the Kool-Aid. Yeah, they did. Yes. And there they are saying, well, you don't need all this in those 66 books. They're teaching that the wisdom of man is better than the wisdom of God. They're teaching these young men and women, well, you don't really need all of that. Jesus didn't really say that. He didn't really do those miracles. He didn't really part the Red Sea. Well, the devil is a liar. Because if it's in here, I believe it. Amen. If God said it, I believe it. And that settles it. You can believe whatever you want to believe. But I believe the B-I-B-L-E is still the book for me. Hmm. what are we going to do with these guys? Well, you know the story. They're getting ready to go into the temple. This man had been sitting there for over 40 years. We can't get folk to come to church for four Sundays. But he realized that if he was sitting out front of the temple, somebody was going to give him something. Something. And we've got a society today where people are expecting a hand out. But what we need to be giving them is a hand up. What's the old adage, you can give a man a fish or you can teach a man to fish. I don't know about you, but I think every man needs to have a little money in his pocket. I feel good when I have money in my pocket. I I, I feel good when I know I worked hard and That's right. Amen. That's right. Amen. broke a sweat and got something to show for it. Amen. Right. These guys were all in because they didn't have a plan B, they had nothing to go back to. And I don't care how long you've walked with the Lord, there will come a season where God will raise the stakes. Well, you passed the first test, you know, follow me. OK, that's good. Well, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Say what? You can't have no part of me. And the majority of the crowd exited stage left. And then he looks at the twelve. And said, will you go also? And don't you love Peter? Peter said, where can I go? That's right. yeah. I don't have anywhere else to go. That's right. Because you have the keys to eternal life. Yeah, yeah. Right. There's nothing back there, y'all, That's right. Right. worth going back there for. Amen. Because I settled it and I think some of you have done so as well. What you turn to is far greater than what you turned from. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. And the scripture says no man or woman who have put their hands to the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom. I don't care what they do to us. I don't care how they persecute us. I don't care how they talk about us. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. The disciples knew that God, Jesus, was preparing them for something great. Because he was trying to grow them up. You talk about Dr. J. In basketball, football, they tell young men, we got we to grow you up. Because you can't be that little young freshman. At some point, you got to be a person that we can count on. You got to be somebody who can run the offense. You got to be someone who won't crack under pressure. Then you'll be really able to lead. And we've got a generation that we got to train to hear God's voice. There's a generation of Samuels, and they're running to Eli, but we need more to Eli's to say it's all about Jesus. Go to him, go to him, go to him. These guys, when they saw that man, they said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee. Here's my next point give people what you have. What do you have? You got the greatest gift there is on the face of the earth. You got Jesus. And if you got Jesus, they don't need anything else. How do you know all of this? Because I was young and dumb, I was a WVU basketball player. In fact, you talk about Dr. J, they used to have the ABA, the American Basketball Association. The NBA didn't really want those guys, but the guys in the ABA were better than most of the guys in the NBA. And they had this team called the Virginia Squires. They used to play in Richmond where I grew up. And on a many a rainy night, I would be out there just trying to get a glimpse of Dr. J. Because Dr. J was the man. And I wanted to be like Dr. J. Do you know that folk that still call me Julius? My name is Junius. <laughs> I spell it out for him, J-U-N. Yeah, Julius, <laughs> J-U-N-I-U-S. <laughs> What's my point? My point is this. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. If you can't say man, just say "ouch." My plans, I was playing in France, Paris specifically the first season, second season, but I'm going to Switzerland. I had a little money in my pocket. I could go anywhere in the world. And then one morning around 4.30 in the morning, I look in the mirror and I say, for all that you have, you're real miserable. Because we are all men most miserable without Jesus Christ. Some of you are out there at night, you can have a whole bunch of stuff, but it doesn't mean a hill of beans. You can have five degrees. They can call you doctor. But if you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. And I came back that summer. God had a plan. I think there's something in the book of Jeremiah, the 29th chapter about plans. And I was broke, not financially broke. I was broke spiritually. I was broke physically. In fact, I was on crutches. I had never been really hurt in my life. Always had good knees. I was flexible. I was teasing this Sunday. I said, I can still touch my toes. And they were looking like some of y'all. You can't do that. Well, I can still touch my toes. I'm healthy. But I ran into a situation where they were telling me, we got to do surgery on you. And my first couple of Sundays, I was on crutches and I'm hopping in the church. And as I got to the back door, there was a lady standing by the back door. She said, God's going to heal you. I was a good Baptist boy. I didn't know anything about divine healing, but I was taught to be respectful. I said, yes, ma'am. Thank you. That was on Sunday. The following Monday, I go to see the team surgeon. He says, i we'll get an x-ray. Take an x-ray. They put it up on the screen. He looked stupid. He said to the nurse, take another one. <laughs> he took another one. He looked even funnier. He said, I don't know what happened. Yeah. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul, something happened and now I know Uh he touched me and he made me whole. I couldn't wait to go to church the next Sunday. I feel like running, skipping, praising the Lord for what he's done for me. He died to set me free. I feel like running, skipping, praising his name for what he's done for me. Now God's really got my attention. <laughs> you hear me physically, you save my soul. Yeah. And now you've given me a purpose yeah,
1: amen.
0: for living.
1: Amen.
0: Basketball is no longer important.
1: That's right.
0: In fact, I took a two-year sabbatical. I didn't watch a game, I didn't play a game, but I did. Studied to show myself approved unto God, a workman that need him not to be a saint, rightly divided in the word of truth. Oh, God, you got me now. All of me. You know, sometimes we give God a part of us. But man, I was all in. And then the next Sunday, worship is going on. It's real good like it is here. I know this woman in this worship team, they know how to get it done. But all of a sudden, I'm standing there with my hands lifted to heaven, and I just started to rock. My friend Norma Cousins was behind me. She said, Timber! I ain't know anything about being slain in the spirit, but boy, I got it all that night. So now I'm healed, I'm filled and I'm running for Jesus. The old saints used to sing a song, Lord I'm running, trying to make 199 and a half won't do. Some of y'all, oh yeah, y'all got that. Amen, it won't do. So these men, plain or ordinary people, nothing special about them, just a heart that's bent towards God. And they said, these are those that have come here and they have turned the world upside down. We need to start turning the world upside down. Or if you want to really get the liberals mad, make it right side up. (laughs) For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anybody out there with me? Because there's still power in the blood. And he can save anybody. Even six feet 11 skinny kids from Richmond, Virginia. And you know the blessing? God is a relational God. This morning at our service, I've got a good family. They love me. They're Italian. I'm African American. But at the age of 17, Pastor Robert, they invited me to the house for dinner. And they said dinner's at 6:30 every night. Oh, and by the way, here's the key to our house. We've known each other for 48 years. Now, they're Catholic. I'm a, I forgot what I am now, I'm a Baptist Method, Pentecostal. One of them Pentecostals. No, I'm just a child of God, that's all. I'm just a child of God, amen. But they were like, Man, that was good. We ready to come on from the Catholic Church and come on over. I said, come over here. The table is spread and the feast of the Lord is going on. Amen? Time to knock down the walls. It's time to say, come on. I can remember being a little boy and I'd hear the saints singing. Can't you hear the Spirit say? Make a change. Can't you hear the spirit say, make a change, make a change, make a change tonight? Somebody make a change, make a change today. If I were you, I'd make that change. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. That man for 40 years. He was outside looking in. I've always wondered why nobody didn't just pick him up and take him in. But when, think about it, they gave him stuff. But we like to teach as a part in every person created by God that nothing in this world satisfies How do you know that search all over? Couldn't find nobody. I looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody because there's nobody greater, nobody greater than him. And finally, they're like, is this the same guy? Because what did he do? He went into the temple. And he didn't just come in and look like he had been baptized in lemon juice. That's right. That's
1: right.
0: He came in giving God praise. Yeah. 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 Here's my next point. Praise is the necessary response to the faithfulness of God. I'll let you borrow that one. Praise is the necessary response. We sing hymns like great is thy faithfulness. But God's been good to you. He's restored some of your families. He's watched over your kids. He's broken the bloodline of addiction. He's given you a future and a hope. You see a man tonight dressed in a suit. Don't look too bad for 65, but my story was complicated. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I was born to a daddy who had no identity. Him and five brothers, alcoholics and drug addicts. At the age of 12, my daddy says, boy, we got to go to Philadelphia. My brother died. I said, well, don't you want to take your brother up the street from us? He said, I'm taking you. My uncle had froze to death in an empty, abandoned row house in Philadelphia because he lost hope. And he got a bottle and he drank and he drank until he passed out. They found him three days later. My daddy said, pack your bags. Now, I don't know how it was when you were growing up, but my mama kind of ran the house. Not because she wanted to, but because he didn't know how to. It was the smartest thing he ever did, Pastor Kerry, because at 12 years old, I can still remember going to the hospital, and I was looking at my uncle's frostbitten fingers. And at 12, I said, I got to die of something, but I won't die that way. And I said, God, whatever took him out, I don't want to go that way. And I said, whatever's in that bloodline, I don't want it in my bloodline. And God honored that prayer. I've been serving Jesus now for over 38 years or better. There ain't nothing back there. But I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Well, I'll tell you what happened. I got saved and got filled, and I told my daddy. he was sitting at the kitchen table one day. I said, Dad, if you don't get right with Jesus, you're going to bust hell wide open. Not the most effective way to witness, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't recommend that. <laughs> but it would be about two years later. I'd be back at home visiting. He was sitting at the kitchen table. He said, boy, you really have changed. I said, Dad, I just want you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Well, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man and woman availeth much. My mother and I covenant to pray for him. Sometimes we forget that love wins. Love wins. My daddy got saved. Pastor Bacchus, the pastor at our church, came to our house, baptized him in the house. My uncle, who lived up the street from us, got saved. All it takes is one witness. Is there one? I got a lot of lights. Is there one out there that doesn't mind saying your testimony, telling your story? You don't need anything other than your testimony. A wise bishop once told me testimonies come from testimony. Everybody wants a testimony. and want the test. But I'm thankful tonight for every test. I'm thankful because in every situation, God's been faithful. He's been faithful to you. And he's not through. He's not through. <laughs> I'm just seeing if you got a pulse. I know that I was late. But he's not through. So put a demand on God. What do you mean by put a demand on God? Don't be afraid to ask him to do something for you. Or for somebody you love. Once you've experienced the goodness of God, you need to share it. That's what they did. And the more they said it, the more power came. The more they told that story, the more people believed it. So that when they walked down the street, the very shadow of the disciples caused people to get healed. I know there are a lot of people here in Bridgeport, Lumberport, Shenston, Lost Creek, they need to hear that Jesus saves. They need to hear that he still cares. In a world, in a society where people have lost all hope, we know that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire comes, it becomes a tree of life. We need to tell them, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Because he's coming back. And he's coming back for a church without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. Heaven is a prepared place, y'all, for prepared people. Don't go there alone. Tonight, tomorrow, you're going to run into a whole lot of people. The only thing that Jesus asked us to do, go ye therefore. And do what? Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Tell your story and use your testimony and make it count. Amen. Thank you for letting me come tonight. Thank you, Pastor Robert, for letting me stand in your pulpit. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m.